You are listening to a Victory Alabang podcast. How can God's love and mercy restore us? Find out in this audio message by Pastor Ariel Marquez. Okay, good evening everyone. Would you just go and smile the person beside you once again and uh, greet that person. Happy Valentine's Day in advance. I believe that every day ought to be Valentine's Day. Isn't that right? And uh, this is actually our, our series entitled, It's Not That Complicated. It's really a story or a series on love relationship that we will be looking at from the scripture. And this is all based on, uh, you know, how, uh, really based on how God loves them and how they're able to also uh, give out that love. And so let me just go ahead and read our objective for this series just for a review uh, we will be able to relate to the biblical love story so that we can have a picture and revelation of how much God loves us. And how many of you are, are convinced that God loves us so much? How many of you know that God loves you? Okay, look at the person beside you, the other person. God loves you. And so do I. Now, if that's the person that you're praying for, that's a good pickup line already. Well, anyway, so mo na. So, uh, which in turn will encourage us to love others the same way that we have received it from God. It's really impossible or maybe difficult for us to be able to give love if we have no revelation of how much God loves us. It's kind of sometimes difficult to give forgiveness if we don't have the revelation that God really forgave us. And so I believe that the, the, the base of our uh, relationship with other people is really having a good uh, revelation of the intimate relationship that we have with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, uh, speaking about love, the world also has some uh, views on love and somehow culture now dictates uh, that there are some problems with uh, romantic love. And you know, our culture today says that romantic relationships don't last and that strong marriages do not exist anymore. How many of you know that we can actually debunk that particular statement? How many of you are married in this place and that you're happily married? Come on, raise your hand, okay? Pagkakataon nyo na ito ngayong gabi, okay? Alright. Now, kung nag-away kayo, uh, mag-asawa, you can actually go and patch up later on, okay? So, uh, why is this? Maybe the world is observing something because, you know, as we talked about last week, of course, our topic last week was Isaac and Rebecca. And our introduction was we've seen that even in the Philippines, that there's a rise in the number of annulment cases uh, in our nation. It's a sad state. But why is that? What's the cause of that? And the problem really is selfishness. Everybody say selfishness. Okay? Look at the person beside you. Tell that person, the problem is me. Okay? Uh, it's really about us. Uh, it's me, my, and mine. And many times we, uh, we point a finger, for, for example, especially for those of us who are married, uh, it's easy to shift the blame to your spouse and, uh, you know, say that, you know, she doesn't understand or he doesn't understand or you talk too much or you're not there, you're not committed. So you can actually shift the blame. But the reality is all of us has got a deeper problem and that is the I. The root of sin or the center of sin is the letter I. And that is selfishness. Uh, marriage used to be about us, but today it's all about me. It's all about me. It's all about what I can get. It's all about what I can gain from this particular relationship. The author, uh, New York uh, bestseller, uh, best-selling author, uh, Tara Parker uh, Pope, 
uh, who wrote the book For Better, is also a writer or a blogger for, for the New York Times. And she made a comment about uh, marriage in general. And she said that a lasting marriage does not always uh, signal a happy marriage. Plenty of miserable couples have stayed together for children, religion, or other practical reasons. And so, maybe you know some people who are staying together, but that they're not really in good terms. And the reason why they're staying together is because of the kids, and because of the children, because it's, it's cheaper to be together than pay two separate houses or something like that. And so it's mostly economic or practical reasons. But for many couples, it's just not enough to stay together. They want relationship that is meaningful and satisfying. And how many of you would like to have a relationship that is meaningful and satisfying? Okay, Konti lang. I think that's all of us, right? And so, in short, they want a sustainable marriage. And how many of you know that the only way that we can have a sustainable, meaningful, and lasting relationship is if we base this relationship on the Word of God? Amen. And if we will look at what the Word of God says and the pattern and the truth of God's Word, it's just so liberating. There are just so many things that are being said about marriage in the Bible that, you know, even if you don't have a clue, if you read the Bible from cover to cover, there's just so many things or guidelines uh, that there is about marriage. Okay? But of course, the Bible is not supposed to be just a handy book. Because it's the Word of God. It's the truth of God's Word that liberates us. The Bible says, but you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And one of the key, uh, I believe that one of the key things that we need to have as husbands and wife is this word forgiveness. Because chances are you will be offended. Chances are you will actually uh, you know, feel bad or you, know, you will feel that you know, your expectations are not met in your marriage. And so we need to have a lot of forgiveness in our marriage. And so moving forward, uh, let's just skip this. We're talking about love life. We're talking about stories of couples in the Bible. Last week we, talk, we talked about the story of Isaac and Rebecca. Maybe some of you have gone back to the scripture and looked at uh, the book of Genesis and how they were patched up together is the longest chapter in the book of Genesis. And how Isaac and Rebekah, it's really a fixed marriage. When Abraham sent his servant Eliezer to look for a wife for his son Isaac, but somehow we can g- gain principle. Of course, nowadays you don't really you know, send your yaya to look for a wife for your son. You know, go to uh, Market Market you know, and you know, you'll find there a lady in Jollibee, okay? And, you know, once this lady in Jollibee, you know, would, it would just be open to treat you for lunch. You know, that's the, that's the wife for my son. Go get her. That's kind of weird, right? But in the Bible, it happened in the past because there are specific principles that we've learned last week. And so I hope that you can uh, remember that. If you missed the preaching last week, you can go to our website, uh, victorialabang.org, or maybe you can download our podcast from your mobile device. And so today our topic will be the story between Samson and Delilah. Okay? Samson and Delilah. Talaga bang compatible sila? Na flames nyo na ba sila? Yeah. Alright, so we will look at 
the character of Samson. And who is this lady named Delilah? I'd like to invite everyone to stand with me as we read a couple of verses from the book of Judges chapter 13, beginning in verse 24 and 25. In fact, since this is just a short uh, verse, I'd like to invite everyone to read along with me. Would you do that? Let's read from verse 24 and then verse 25 from Judges chapter 13. Ready? One, two, three. The woman gave birth to a boy and named him Samson. He grew and the Lord blessed him. And the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him while he was in Mahanedan between Zorah and Eshtayol. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, thank you so much for our time tonight. We ask, Lord God, that you would give your people, your children, the spirit of wisdom and revelation to know you better and to know how to handle relationships. I guess I thank you, Lord God, that you will, uh, Lord, just uh, open up our spiritual ears as well, Lord God. Lord, renew our mind in this particular area, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God, that you will uh, bless the preaching of your word tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may all be seated. All right, we're looking at Samson, the story of Samson in the Bible. Now, who was Samson? Okay, you'll, uh, you'll find out that Samson was a judge, and the story of his life was summarized in four chapters in the book of Judges. So you'll find this story beginning in Judges chapter 13. We've read that. 14, 15, and 16. So there are four chapters uh, basically summarizing his life. Okay? Samson was chosen by God to be a judge in Israel to deliver it from the Philistines. Now, there's a particular enemy that Israel had even during the early years of Israel as a nation, and that's the Philistines. Okay? And uh, in fact, it's interesting to learn and find out that the Philistines in the past live in Gaza, and if you go to modern-day Israel, Gaza is still controlled by the Palestinians or Palestinians. Okay? Different language, same group of people. So until today, they're still going through that. And so the, the parents of Sam, uh, Samson were actually barren, and they're childless. And one day, the angel of the Lord appeared to the wife of Manoah, who was the father, and basically this angel said that you're going to have a child, and this child would be dedicated to the Lord. You are not to cut his hair. You're not to uh, drink any wine, and you are not to touch any unclean thing. And so basically, what happened was, this child was dedicated to the Lord as a Nazarite. Everybody say, Nazarite. Do you know what a Nazarite is? Iba kung wala sa left, Nazarite, right? Okay, so uh, let's leave it at that. So we'll find that in the Bible, uh, in Numbers chapter 6, there are prescriptions of how to become a Nazarite. Now, of course, Naz- by the way, Nazarite is not, are not the people that came from Nazareth. Okay, so hindi sila yung, uh, you know, Philistines or Hittites, okay, or Nazareth, Nazarite. No, no, no. Uh, it's, these are a group of people who would take a special kind of vow before the Lord, and this is found in Numbers chapter 6. Now, as you, as you read the book of Numbers chapter 6, uh, the, the Nazarite vow is actually a limited kind of a vow. There are people who take that vow for a limited period of time, 
and after that period of time, they would be off the vow. Okay? But there are only two people in the Bible who were called to become Nazarites for life, full time. The first one is Samson, okay, who was called to be a Nazarite from birth to death. And the other one is John the Baptist, who is also a Nazarite. Okay? So in verse 2, it says, if a, if a man or a woman wants to make a special vow, a vow of separation to the Lord as a Nazarite, what must he do? Verse 3, he must abstain from wine and other fermented drink. How many of you would like to become a Nazarite? Okay, bawalan social drinking. Yeah, Nazarite ka. And must not drink vinegar. Do you actually drink vinegar? You use this for chicharon, right? So, you must not drink vinegar made from wine or from any other, uh, from other fermented drink. He must not drink grape juice. Bawalang Welch. Daming bawala. Or eat grapes or raisins. Bawalang Sunmaid. And so, these are, because these are all coming from the fruit of the vine. And what, are, what else? So long, or as long as he is a Nazarite, he must not eat anything that comes from the grapevine, not even seeds or skins. During the entire period of his vow, so we're talking about a period. I don't know how they determine the period, whether six months, one year, two years. I don't know how they do that. <clears throat> but there's a certain period of vow of separation. No razor must be used on his head. That's why a Nazarite normally have long hair. Okay? So dito na uso yung mga long hair, yung mga rakista. Di ba? Okay? He must be holy until the period of separation to the Lord is over. He must let the hair of his head grow long. And throughout the period of his separation to the Lord, he must also what? He must not go near a dead body. So there are three things that a Nazarite must do. Number one, avoid fruit of the vine. Anything, whether grape, raisins, or uh, drink. Secondly, don't cut your hair or don't shave your hair. Third, don't go and go near a dead body, even if that dead body is your family member or your relative. That's their limited vow. Now, if you look at Samson, Samson was really a special uh, person because if you will read Judges chapter 13, verse 1, it says that the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and he allowed the enemy, the Philistines, take over them. And when they cried out to the Lord, God sent a deliverer. Okay, And the, the deliverer that God sent during this time were called judges. Everybody say judges. This is not the judge that sits in, in the Supreme Court. Okay, Ibang judge to. These are the leaders of Israel. This was way before the period of the kings, before King Saul, David, Solomon, and the others. Okay? And so the period of the judges, Samson was one of the judges. So he was the one leading Israel in their exploits, leading the charge, in deciding some cases. That's why there's a judge. He helps in the judging of right and wrong. Now, one of the things that we can highlight <clears throat> that we can see in the life of Samuel or Samson in verse 6 of uh, Judges 14, it says, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully, everybody say powerfully, upon him so that he tore the lion apart with his what? Bare hands as he might have torn a young goat. I mean, that's how strong this guy was. In fact, you know, who's the wisest man in the Bible? 
So when you talk about who's the strongest man, they always say, of course, it's Samson because of the strength. And where does his strength come from? Okay, so we're going we're gonna to talk about that. Some people say it's the hair. Some people say it's, you know, it's the Spirit of God. And so we're going to talk about that. Unfortunately, he started out fine as a teenager. But as he was making decisions in his life as an adult, there were some wrong decisions made. And so we're going to look at the downfall of Samson. Are you ready for this? Okay, so what led to his downfall? Let's begin from Judges chapter 14, verse 1. Samson went down to Timnah, everybody say Timnah, and saw there a young Philistine woman. Okay, everybody take note of the word saw. He used his eyes and he actually saw a beautiful woman. But no ordinary woman. This was a Philistine woman, a woman from the enemy camp. Okay? Now, in verse 2, when he entered, he said to his father and mother, I have seen a Philistine wo-. When he returned, he said to his father and mother, I have seen a Philistine woman in Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. Now, if you look at Timnah, Timnah is actually the equivalent of Napa Valley in the U.S. And what's there in Napa Valley? Vineyard and grapes. What's a Nazarite doing in a vineyard? You can see that early on in the life of Samson, that there has been a lot of compromises. He was not as serious in fulfilling his vow as a Nazarite because he thought probably, I can get away with things. And how many of you sometimes, uh, amen, don't, don't raise your hand, okay? <laughs> Yes, he, you know, we understand the grace of God. We understand the love of God. We How many of you know that God forgives no matter what? How many of you know that God will love you no matter what? How many of you are convinced that there is nothing you can do that will make God unlove you? You need to have an amen on that. And that's the reality. Because He loved us even though while we were yet sinners, God loved us already. He sent His Son Jesus for us. How much more now as children of God? Right? But yet we need to understand that we cannot abuse the love and the mercy and the grace of God over our lives. And this is what's happening to Samson. He was actually breaching the vow and the oath that he took as a Nazarite. And he was among all the women. He would choose an unbeliever, a Philistine woman. In fact, his parents said, isn't there any other woman in our tribe that you can marry why will you get a woman from those, and they use this word, uncircumcised Philistines? Check your Bibles. I'm not going to use it in Tagalog anymore, okay? But, you know, he used the word uncircumcised because that's, that's the description of the uh, you know, Israelites against their enemies. And so, one thing that caused the downfall of Samson was this. He made an imprudent disposition. He made a rash choice. You know, he didn't even think about it. He made a rash decision. I want to get married to that woman. Get her for me. And what did the parents do? They got her for him. Now, there's a, there's a thin line between uh, responsible parenthood and really spoiling your child. Okay. Now, of course, we don't know the entire story. But if you would read closer to the Bible, there's like a uh, parenthesis that says there that somehow this has been planned by the Lord so that he can make avenge over the enemies of Israel. So, and, but this is still not an excuse. 
I believe that the reason why God has allowed this thing to happen is so that, yeah, there can be a way for the Israelites to be delivered from the hands of the Philistines. But don't press your luck, so to speak. Okay? Now in verse, uh, chapter 16, verse 1, it says, One day, everybody say one day. Let's move on forward. Now, what happened to that woman in Timna? Basically, that woman in, uh, that Philistine woman in Timna was to be the wife of Samson because he said, you know, I wanted to be my wife. And so, on the wedding day, they were supposed to be married, but, you know, he had a riddle that he gave to the townspeople. And so, they couldn't figure out the riddle and they basically said, we will kill your wife if you don't tell us the answer. I mean, what kind of blackmail is that, right? And so, Basically, the wedding did not push through, but what happened was, instead of him marrying that woman, the woman was given to one of his groomsmen. Can you imagine? Can you imagine a wedding like that? You're supposed to marry this bride, and the bride ended up with one of your bride's, uh, groomsmen. And that's what happened to Samson. So he said, that's my wife. And so he actually did something that really made the Philistines mad. First, he actually tied several foxes by the tail put torches there, and he actually let them go, and it actually uh, you know, put the fields of the Philistines on fire. Secondly, he killed 1,000 Philistines by a jawbone, and we will find that, I think, in, in Judges chapter 15. So they are after him by now. Now, in Judges chapter 16, verse 1, it says, One day Samson went to Gaza, where he what? Saw. Notice the word again. In chapter 14, verse 1, he saw the Philistine woman. In Judges chapter 16, verse 1, it says, He saw a what? A prostitute. And what did he do with the prostitute? He went in to spend the night with her. Again, another compromise. So what happened with Samson is he committed an immoral act by spending with this prostitute. Because he's been opening his eyes to the things of the world. He saw the woman from the Philistines. He saw this prostitute and he opened up his life to them. My question for us tonight is, what do you see? What are we looking at? Are we opening our eyes to the ways of the world? Are we opening our, or are we keeping our eyes pure and holy before God? You know, I was reading a, um, an article from churchleaders.com, I believe, and they were uh, addressing this uh, the issue of internet porn and how addictive this can be, even among young people, Christians at that. This affects the psyche of a man, and even women, some women are addicted to this. And even in marriage, it will affect the way you look at your spouse when you're hooked in porn. The question is, what do we see? How many young Single men do we have in this place? Can you please raise your hand. Young single men. And you're proud of it. Yeah, okay? Let me just encourage you tonight. Okay? Live a life that is pure before the Lord. Treat women with utmost respect. Remember, you have a mother. And your mom is a woman. Some of you have sisters. And your sisters are women. In the same way that you will treat them with respect... Treat other women with respect. Don't treat other women like a Barbie doll or play with their heart. Be careful with their heart. Don't play with their emotion like a Barbie doll, right? 
In the first place, what are you doing with a Barbie doll anyway if you're a man? Young women, let me encourage you. Don't ever give your heart to somebody who's not committed to the Lord. As I said last week, you know, we, we talked about virginity and purity, that virginity and purity are beautiful. You are worth waiting for. Okay? Wait for that big day. And I believe that God has a special uh, plan for you. Just be patient. It will come. Married couples. How many married do we have here in this place again? Please raise your hand. Married couples, keep the romance alive. It doesn't matter if you've been married one year or five years or ten years or fifteen years or twenty-five years. Guess what? You can still keep that marriage love relationship alive and romance really on fire for one another. And you've got to be creative. You've got to work at it. Have regular dates. You know, men always look at your wife and your wife alone. Don't treat her as your number one because if, she, if she's number one, there's a number two. She should be your only one. Come on now. Wives, continue to beautify yourself. Yeah. And maybe some of you are housewives and it's nice to take care of your home, but guess what? After taking care of your home, take care of yourself. So that when your husband comes home after the office, when she looks at you, he will not be confused if you are the wife or you are in die. Okay? So, you know, just beautify yourself. Be attractive. Make him want you. You know, I remember one preacher say, and he was talking about being faithful to his wife. And this is what he said. Why will I settle for a hamburger outside my home if I can enjoy a ribeye steak in my home? Come on now. Now, I don't want you to look at your wife and call her a cow. You know? it's just, it's not beef. I'm not talking about that particular analogy. But what I'm saying is, there's no one who can compare to the beauty and to the love and to the in- emotional investment that you've already made to your spouse, to the wife of your youth. Amen. And all the women would say, Amen. What do you see? Let's protect our eyes. Let's move on. Verse 2. The people of Gaza were told, Samson is here. And so they're thinking, this is our opportunity to get even with Samson. So they surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all night at the city gate. They made no move during the night, saying, at dawn, We'll kill him. Remember that? I kill you. I kill you. But in verse 3, Samson lay there only until the middle of the night. Now, where was Samson at this time? He was spending time with the prostitute. Bad move. But yet, he got up, took hold of the doors of the city gate together with the two posts and tore them loose Bar and all. And what did he do? He lifted them to his shoulders and carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. Now you've got to understand that in those days, gates and walls are important for a city. How many of you have watched Lord of the Rings? 
right? These are massive gates. A city gate is something of importance because this is where people pass through. And normally, city gates are huge, right? They probably wear a, uh, they probably weigh about two tons or maybe three tons. And what did he do? He tore them just like that, and he carried them. And he lifted them, carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron, just to give you a perspective where Hebron was. He was in Gaza. Okay? This is a picture of Israel. This is Gaza, and this is Hebron. That's a short 60-kilometer walk. <laughs> Can you imagine the strength of this guy? I mean, he was carrying this, maybe leisurely, but listening to his iPod and, you know. But yet, he made a statement. And he actually humiliated the Philistines by removing their city gate. Without, any, without the city gate, there's no protection for the city. That is the statement that Samson is telling these guys. I'm going to get even. If you're, if you're going to run after me, I'm going to make things worse for you. So, in other words... Samson, even before he met Delilah, he had two women in his life. He had the Philistine woman, and he had what? A prostitute. Now, let's look at Delilah. It comes on uh, verse 4 of Judges. Sometime later, now I don't know how many months or years that was, he fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. Now, if you look at the valley of Sorek, Sorek really means choice vines. Once again, Samson is in a vineyard. A Nazarite ought not to be in a vineyard. So he's really pushing it. He probably thought as he was carrying this steel you know, bars of uh, gates on his shoulder, he said, Wow, after spending time with the prostitute, God's approval is still upon me. And that's a very dangerous road to take. You know, sometimes you would feel that, you know, the, the grace of God is with us, the anointing of God is still with us, even if we do anything. Maybe he thought that he was the exception. That God will judge the others, not him. That God will, you know, punish others for their sins, but not him. But how many of you know, yes, the, the, you know, the, the love of God is unfailing, the love of God is everlasting, but there will be a time when God will let us face the consequences of our sins as well. Thus, we cannot abuse the grace of God. You know, Delilah really means, in the Hebrew, to hang, to below, or languish. That's the meaning of Delilah. And yet, Samson, I don't know what he found in this woman, but he fell in love with the woman. It's so obvious that Delilah was not in love with Samson. He was just, what, using her. So the second thing that happened was, or the third thing was impulsive decision. You know, he went with this woman and, you know, by, by an impulse, he made a decision, I'm going to be with this woman. So anything about women, that's the weakness of Samson. But he did not realize that God has called him for a special purpose, and that is to deliver the nation of Israel from the hands of the Philistines. Now in verse 5, it says, The Philistine rulers went to her and said, See if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him so that we may, you may tie him up and subdue him. Each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. So the five Philistine rulers made a deal with uh, Delilah and each one of them will give them 1,100 shekels of silver. That's a total of 
5,500 shekels of silver. They're estimating that in the modern uh, conversion of dollars, that that's at least a minimum of $2 million. Now, if you were Delilah, and if you will receive that bounty, would you give Samson for that amount? Some ethical question. But the Philistine rulers were asking, what's the secret of this man's strength? Maybe at the physical level, they were not seeing a strong man. Now, if you, how many of you have seen a before and after picture of people who did weights and bodybuilding, right? Or maybe the biggest loser, or maybe something like that. You know what? Samson was not the after picture. Samson was before picture. So he was, they, they were not seeing somebody like you know, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. You know, because it was, if it was as, somebody as big as Arnold Schwarzenegger or the Incredible Hulk, how many of you know that? They will not even ask that question. Ah, oh, that explains it because of these big muscles. But somehow they were amazed. What's the secret of this guy? Because they don't see it in the natural. Because there's really a deeper secret why Samson was strong. Verse 6, let's move on. So Delilah said to Samson, Tell me the secret of your great strength and how you can be tied up and subdued. Delilah was so straight to Samson. So what's the secret, hon? You know, they're probably spending time having coffee in Starbucks. So, you know, what's the secret? How can you be tied up and subdued? Now, if you have half the brain, and if a woman would ask you about the secret of your strength, and he ha- she happens to be from the side of the enemy, won't you have, won't you notice? Or at least, you know, be careful with that. But she went on and on, and he actually played the game along with Delilah. She lied, he lied three times, and first he said, now, you know what, if you get seven fresh bowstrings, and if you tie me up with those fresh bowstrings, I will be as weak as any man. And so, when he was sleeping, Delilah got seven bowstrings, tied his uh, hands up, and then shouted, Samson, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And you know what he did? He woke up, and then... It's as easy as that. They just fell off his hands. And so Delilah said, you don't really love me. Because if you love me, you will share to me the secret of your strength, how we can tie you and how we can subdue you. He's probably strong. All his energy was in the muscle, not in the brain. <laughs> Second, okay, Samson played along again. Well, if you get seven fresh ropes and tie me up, I will be as weak as any man. So he went to sleep again. I don't know why he keeps on sleeping. <laughs> Maybe he's drunk. I don't know. So he slept, and Delilah went to get some fresh ropes, tied him up, and then shouted the same line. The Philistines are upon you. And then he woke up boom, and started beating those guys up. You don't really love me. If you love me, you will share to me your secret how we can tie you up and subdue you. Hello, Samson. And this time, what he said was nearer and nearer to the secret of his strength. He said, if you tie seven braids on my hair, and tie them with this linen and then put a pin or something like that, I will be as weak as any man. Guess how Samson progresses from outside to something that is so near to the very heart of the vow before the Lord. 
And so, this is what happened. Of course, uh, he just threw the Philistines away. And so we move on to verse, six, uh, verse 15. Then she said to him, How can you say I love you when you won't even confide in me? This is the third time you have made a fool of me and haven't told me the secret of your great strength. With such what? Nagging. Everybody say nagging. She prodded him day after day after day after day after day after day. After day, until he was tired to death. How many of you know that sometimes nagging can actually kill you? <laughs> Let's move on, okay? I don't want to give to that round, okay? Amen, pastor! Ingat tayo doon, okay? Ingat, ingat. Bubusinan muna ako, okay? Let's move on. Verse 17. So he told her what? Everything this time. I mean, he was tired. But maybe in his mind, he was still thinking, if I got away the first time, the second time, the third time, and God was still approving me, I'd probably still get away with this thing. So he said, no razor has ever been used on my head because I have been a Nazarite set apart to God since birth. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become as weak as any man. That was the truth already. He gave her the seed of his strength, and when Delilah saw that he had told her what? All his heart. She sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up once more, for he has told me what? All his heart. So the lords of the Philistines came to her and brought the money in their hand, because really, it's a heart issue. It's always a heart issue. You know, this purity thing is a heart issue. The obeying God is really a heart issue. Our devotion to the Lord is a heart issue. It's really a battle of purity. Not a battle of purity, but a battle of passion. Where is your heart? Where is our heart really? Is our heart faithful before the Lord or is our heart more faithful to the world? Look at the person beside you and tell the person, be careful with your heart. We've got to be careful. Proverbs chapter 4, it says, Guard your heart because it is the wellspring of life. Let's move on. Verse 19. Then she lulled him to sleep on her knees and called for a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Samson just sleeps like a baby. Then she began to torment him and he swat his strength left him finally. And she said, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as before. He was making reference. If I was saved once and I was delivered once, I will be delivered again. At other times, and, he, and I shall shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him this time. So what's the secret of the strength of Samson? Samson had power not because he had long hair, but because he had a covenant with God due to his Nazarite vow. It was really the Spirit of God that made him strong. And as long as his hair was intact, as long as the vow was still there, God's part of the vow is faithful. We have been faithful to the Lord many times, but guess what? God will never be unfaithful to us. 
And God kept on being faithful to Samuel. I mean to Samson. At every time he needed help, because that was the covenant of God to Samson. That if you observe this Nazarite vow, I will be with you. But yet for the last time, he actually allowed the consequences of his sin to haunt him and face him. Verse 21. And the Philistines seized him and gouged out his eyes. The very tool that he used to lure the world to himself was taken away from him. Remember the verses that we've read? Chapter 14, verse 1, he saw the woman. Chapter 16, verse 1, he saw the prostitute. Then he fell in love with Delilah because he saw her. Guess what? The very tool or thing that he had was gouged out from him. Brought, brought him down to Gaza and bound him with bronze shackles and he ground at the mill in the prison. In other words, when you talk about sin, it will definitely affect your life because sin blinds, sin binds, and sin grinds. It will blind you. It will make you think that you're invincible. It will make you think that you know, you're still doing the right thing. Little compromises here and there. And eventually, we will not see that our, our heart has been calloused already. We need to be careful. You know, many people are actually having a... Would you, would you have a pet alligator knowing that this alligator can actually bite off your hand? But that's how people treat their, they treat their sin. They think that their sin is like a little kitty cat or maybe a little puppy. But in reality, that little sin is a big alligator that's ready to pounce on you if you're not ready. Sin blinds, binds, and grinds. Somebody said, sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and it'll cost you more than you're willing to pay. That's the effect of sin in a man's life. And for Samson, it was a tragic end to his life. He could have been a great deliverer and a great judge, but he let his own personal lusts and passion to get out the best from the purpose of God in his life. But the good thing about the story of Samson is this. In verse 22, remember the, the, the Philistines shaved his head? But in verse 22, it says, But the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. And I believe that this is really a sign of the grace and the mercy and the love of God for Samson. Amen? How many of you know that the mercy and the faithfulness of God is new every morning? Great is His faithfulness. Amen. And ultimately, yes, we may fail God many times just like Samson did, but God will keep on pursuing us. But He will not exempt us from facing the consequence of our action. And yet, His love will still be there to go after us and restore us. And that's exactly what happened to Samson. Verse 28, let's move on. Then Samson called to the Lord. He was already in the Philistine territory. He was put in prison. But he actually requested, because they called out for him to you know, give an entertainment. And 3,000 people were in a coliseum at that time. And Samson called to the Lord saying, Oh Lord God, remember me, I pray. Strengthen me, I pray. Just this once, O oh God, that I may what? Make uh, with one blow, take vengeance on the Philistines. For what? For my two eyes. What a selfish prayer still. Instead of praying for dishonoring you or for the, for the sake of your nation Israel, no, for my two eyes. I want to take vengeance. But what did God do? He'd still given, he still 
actually answer the prayer of Samson. Because ultimately, his prayer was part of a bigger purpose in the plan of God for the nation of Israel. It's not about Samson, by the way. It's about his plan for the people of God. And what happened in verse 29, or verse 30, Then Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he pushed with all his might, and the temple fell on the Lord's and all the people who were in it. So the dead that he killed at his death were more than what he killed in his life. In one blow, he actually killed 3,000 in one blow. But that includes himself. What a tragic end to his life. Yet at the end of his life, he still was a deliverer before the Lord because he delivered the people of Israel from 3,000 Philistine rulers, from all the rulers of Philistines. And that helped them gain at least a little bit of peace during his time. My final point tonight is God restores us when we return to Him in repentance. My question is, do you find some areas in your life that are similar to Samson's? Maybe it's not about a woman. Maybe it's not about your your problem with the opposite sex. Maybe it's something maybe personal. Maybe it's an unforgiveness. Maybe it's an issue with finances. Maybe it's an issue with trust. Maybe it's an issue with lying. Maybe it's an issue with, you know, you uh, maybe uh, betraying a friend or something like that. You know, whatever it is, we can always come back to God. And if we humble ourselves and we, we pray to God and say, God, help me. Give me a brand new start. Give me a brand new, uh, you know, purpose and plan uh, in my life. I believe that God will come and restore us back. Let me end with this scripture, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, because there's nothing that we can do to deserve the forgiveness and the restoration that God wants to do in our lives. But it was because of His own purpose and grace. This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. Amen. We hope you were inspired by that message. Love is a key theme in the Bible. Discover and experience what God's love is all about by following our weekly series and by joining a victory group. For more information, just visit our concierge on weekends or leave us a message at www.victoryalabang.org or at facebook.com slash victoryalabang. Thank you and stay connected.